It's All Things Considered, and I'm Dave Lawrence. We're continuing our off-the-road interview series found on our mobile app and at hawaiipublicradio.org. Just look for the banner on the right-hand column and subscribe to it on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Today, the band that brought the world, Jim Morrison, The Doors, and drummer John Densmore, who recently released his latest book, The Seekers, Meetings with Remarkable Musicians and Other Artists. And after getting to speak with late keyboardist Ray Manzarek and guitarist Robbie Krieger, it's a huge thrill to complete the circle, so to speak, and offer a very humble and grateful mahalo, Brother John. Hey, mahalo, Dave. That's what I heard, and I'm glad I'm finally talking to you. Where are you now, and is this where you've been since the pandemic began? Santa Monica, California. That's where I was born and where my mom was born in 1904. Wow. And uh, you've been there since the crisis began. Yes, I have. And share with us any ways you've been affected, John, by the pandemic and maybe even the Black Lives Matter movement both exploded last year. Well, I started uh, hearing that it would be cool to wear a mask, you know, and I thought, well, that's not too difficult. Better than catching a virus. So uh, I adhere to that. You know, I understand people not liking being told what to do, but it's kind of like a polite thing because... I don't want to get anyone else sick, let alone myself. You know, I'm, uh, I was 76 about a month ago, and I remember the Watts riots in Los Angeles way back. And, you know, not a lot of money went into the inner cities, and, and the uprising came in 92, and that didn't surprise me. This time, I'm noticing worldwide, young and old, people kind of backing up Black Lives Matter and and I'm going, wow, there's going to be some good change here. So I'm optimistic. Was the book always planned for release at this time, or did the virus at all affect the publishing timing? <laughs> That's a good question. No, years ago, I thought, I want to write another book. I have three self-centered memoirs. Yep. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I want to do a tip of the hat to all these musicians who have fed me and, uh, artistically. And there are chapters devoted to these seekers, as you call them, remarkable folks that you've met. And while we can't really hit all the chapters, we're going to try to get a bit of several of them in here. And we're going to start with spaghetti dinners from Margaret Mary, your mother. (laughs) That's great. All right. So, you know, we're starving musicians (laughs) and uh, Jim is living with Ray and his girlfriend, Dorothy, in Venice, California. Robbie was not in the band yet. Right. And we go over to my mom's. She's a great uh, cook, and uh, she makes spaghetti dinner for all of us. And Ray asks for several helpings. And I'm a little worried. You know, Jim is uh, kind of a wild guy, but he was on his best behavior because he was hungry. (laughs) I still have this uh, dining room set. We didn't know we were going to be... Uh, lasting this long. I didn't know I was going to be talking about this band at 76. Right. We hope to pay the rent for a a decade. Let alone make a cultural impact. And were there ever moments after Jim's passing that you and your mom like reflected on those kinds of memories? Yeah, my mom said to me, I can't believe you still have that dining room table (laughs) and and that chair that you almost broke leaning over. (laughs) I said, I still got it, mom. Danish modern. (laughs) In that same period of your life, in fact, Elvin Jones, John Coltrane's legendary drummer, has a chapter two, huge influence on your playing, and you've got a great story of first meeting him in Los Angeles. 
Well, Shelley's Manhole was a jazz club, uh, and you needed to be 21. So I went down to Tijuana and got my fake ID, and I went there, and I gave it to the doorman, and he looked at it, and he knew it was fake, and he let me in anyway. <laughs> so the bathroom was back near the dressing room. And in order to be near my idols, I went to the bathroom a lot, even though I didn't have to go. I was just sort of hanging out in there, because right on the other side of the wall was John Coltrane and Elvin Jones. I got a lot from watching those two. It affected my playing with Jim Morrison. You know, I, I got to keep the beat. That's my job. But also, I can have a conversation with Jim now and then. You know, like when the music's over, he sings or talks what have they done to the earth? What have they done to our fair sister? Tied her with fences, dragged her down. And I found myself doing that exactly, you know, blah, 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 yeah, yeah. then going back to the beat. I think I got that from Elvin, watching him talk with Coltrane. And I saw him many more times, and he was so sweet and kind. And I helped take his drums to the car when he was in town. So he was a true mentor for me. Those are great stories. And I was a little embarrassed at being a groupie, but people did it to me, so I was going to do it to him. <laughs> Another great chapter in the book. And the book has so many different kinds of cats in it, from teachers, and obviously we heard about his mother, and so there's another female that factors in, Janice Joplin, and you've got a great story how you were first introduced to her by a, uh, a guy who's been on our, our show a few different times, Jack Cassidy from The Airplane and, and Hot Tuna. Tell that great story from your book. Sure. The Doors are playing the Fillmore, one of the uh, psychedelic ballrooms in San Francisco, Bill Graham, the visionary uh, producer, always had three acts on the bill, and, and different acts, which was very interesting. He might have Miles Davis and The Doors and the James Cotton Blues Band, three completely different genres, but everybody loved it. And so we finish our set, and then there's two more acts before we do our last set, which, you know, maybe a couple hours. Jack Cassidy, Airplane's bass player, the airplane was on the bill with us. Comes over to me and Robbie, the Doors guitarist, and says, hey, you got to go over to the Avalon, which was the other uh, psychedelic ballroom, you know, a few miles away, and, and see Big Brother. And I'm like, what is it, a Nazi group? What is that? You know? <laughs> and he says, no, no, there's this lead singer. She's, you got to check her out. You want us to get in a car and drive <laughs> in between our shows? It's worth it. Okay. So Robbie and I go over there, we walk in, and Janice is singing, down on me, down on me. You can see why I'm a drummer. Uh, <laughs> and, but it, it's riveting. I immediately like, oh my God, that's Aretha Franklin or something, you know? Right. She finishes her set, and we go backstage, and she's really friendly, and I have a slug of her gallon gut rot wine. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I just said, we got, we got to go back. We got another set at the Fillmore. But uh, uh, we'll be seeing you. And I knew I'd be seeing her climb the charts, no doubt. You write that you were at Woodstock and that you ran into her again. You didn't play at Woodstock. Uh, explain the whole story of getting there and then running into her. Yeah, well, I was on the East Coast and we were playing... We had played uh, a couple outdoor venues. When you play outdoors, it's a little more challenging because you don't have the 
walls of a building to kind of hold the sound in. And so Jim didn't want to play Woodstock. <laughs> Mistake. So <laughs> I thought, well, I'm on the East Coast. I'm going to go there anyway. If you see the film for about one or two seconds on the, si <laughs> on the side of the stage during Joe Cocker's set, you can see me. <laughs> so you went by yourself, like paint the picture? No, my, my girlfriend, we went. You yeah, drove? Yeah, we drove up and we slogged through the mud to get... <laughs> You know, <laughs> then when we got there, we got a little motel room, thank God. How did you end up being on stage at Joe Cocker's set? Well, I knew Chip Monk, who was the um, manager of the yeah. whole Woodstock thing. And so from the motel to the to the site took about five hours of <laughs> slogging through mud in a, in a car. You know, he got me. At one time, I got a ride on one of the helicopters with the artist's I couldn't believe when I looked out at a half million people. But to conclude the Janice, I saw her backstage and she was frankly not quite as friendly, kind of spaced out. And she later, I found out, had a monkey on her back, heroin, you mm. know. The chapter I write on her and Jim uh, are cautionary tales. Mm. You know, they're great artists who unfortunately were self-destructive as well. They were so passionate, they couldn't kind of have any boundaries. It's The Doors drummer John Densmore, the latest guest in our Off the Road series, speaking about his new book, The Seekers, Meetings with Remarkable Musicians. And next Friday, we'll conclude with this remarkable musician. Find today's segment and everyone we've spoken with so far on our mobile app or at hawaiipublicradio.org. Just look for the Off the Road banner on the right-hand column and subscribe to it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Dave Lawrence. This is the end, beautiful friend. This is the end, my only friend, the end of our elaborate life. Of everything that stands the end No safety or surprise the end I'll never look into your